1: Folks, we have a fun show for you today. Our guest is one of our favorites. It's Canadian film critic Jeff Roberts, who has agreed to talk about Jim Henson and the Muppets, as well as Sesame Street and Fraggle Rock. So let's bring him on right now, Jeff. Welcome back to Movie Attic Headquarters. How are you?
0: I'm fine, Nikki. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. I'm just super excited to have you here. I'm happy here and talk about Jim here. Henson art. Are you ready to go? Yes, I am. How did Jim Henson first become involved in puppetry? Well, it was in 1954
0: while still in high school. Now, he was mesmerized by television and knew that he wanted to get into the medium. And he knew absolutely nothing about puppetry at the time and had read an ad in a newspaper that a television station in Washington, D.C. had been looking for puppeteers to perform on a live TV show for children. So what he did was uh, ended up borrowing every single book he could on puppets and puppeteering from his uh, local library so he could absorb enough to uh, ace his audition.
1: Uh, That's just amazing. I love that. I love that. So Sam and Friends, which aired from 1955 to 1961, was a five-minute program which first introduced Jim Henson and the first Muppets he built to a television audience. The show aired twice daily live on a local TV station in Washington, D.C. So how would this program lead to Henson's Big Break?
0: Well, the uh, television station in question was owned by NBC, and uh, it would air right before the two most popular shows on the network, which were the Huntley Brinkley Report and Steve Allen's Tonight Show. So it was very popular locally, and once it took off, the other NBC affiliates uh, scheduled it, and it led to uh, national exposure and several guest spots on the Today Show and the Tonight Show itself.
1: That was a good break. According to Henson's biographer, Christopher Finch, it was Ralph, not Kermit, who was the first fully developed character with the backstory that Henson built. How would Ralph catapult the Muppets into the mainstream?
0: So Ralph appeared on the Jimmy Dean show in the early 1960s in primetime segments where he would interact with Dean on every topic under the sun. And um, it looked like it was uh, improvised, but it was actually scripted and would make Dean look like the uh, butt of uh, Ralph's routines. Uh, Ralph was, uh, was so popular that he would receive mountains and mountains of fan mail addressed to him almost on a daily basis
1: that's great that's great so Jim Henson and Frank Oz have been compared by journalists and fans alike to classic comedy duos such as Burns and Allen Abbott and Costello and Laurel and Hardy because of their comedy and rapid fire timing and their ability to improvise and create iconic characters like Bert and Ernie among others out of thin air how did they first meet and come to work with one another
0: well, Frank Oz recently stated in an interview with The, the Guardian that his, his parents had to flee the Nazis in Belgium and were forced to eventually find their way to England, where they became puppeteers in their own right. So um, Oz uh, started performing uh, puppetry when he was in his teens because he was had low self-esteem, and he said, I think it was the safest way for me to express myself without feeling rejected, because I wouldn't be rejected, it would be the character who was rejected. And uh, so he, when he was 18, uh, did a performance that Jim Henson saw, and Henson offered him work in in New York where his uh, company was based.
1: They are a great team. They are. So why did the pilot for Sesame Street bomb with the focus group of preschoolers it was tested on, and how did the producers fix that problem?
0: While the producers of Sesame Street knew that preschoolers were able to memorize jingles for products that were advertised on television, they decided to use these same techniques in those ads to sell kids on the alphabet, math, and literacy. The pilot focused too much on the adult characters and uh child characters that were living on the street and making it such a happening place to be. And the only time the test audience was engaged when, was, was the uh, Muppet characters were showing up on screen, and it was uh, in too few inserts. So they then decided mm. to make the Muppets the focal point of the show rather than the background.
1: That that um, That was such a great decision. What a great decision. <laughs> So Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch are two of Henson's most iconic characters, but they were not on Sesame Street when it began in 1969. How did Henson discover puppeteer Carol Spiney and design these characters specifically for him to portray?
0: Well, Henson discovered Carol spinning at a puppetry festival a year or two before he began on Sesame Street. Spinney had put together his own puppet theater and an act that he had only performed once to success that involved the blending of puppetry and animation now that this uh time when he did the act, it absolutely bombed, because everything that could go wrong with the act did. So Hanson approached uh, Spinney afterwards, and told, told him he knew ex- precisely what he was uh, trying to achieve with his act, and spoke to him a great length about his own early failures, and later offered him an opportunity to come work for him in New York. Actually, the Big Bird character was going to be offered to Frank Oz at first, who uh, played a character in a series of commercials called the Le Choy Dragon, that was uh, as tall as Big Bird, and he had to fit in the suit, and the character had a mechanism where it would uh, breathe out fire. And uh, Frank Oz was claustrophobic and uh, hated doing that. So he turned down oh. Big Bird, and it was offered to, to Spinney. Uh, Oz actually said the other day that he was uh, happy that uh, Spinny took the, the, the character on because he play, portrayed Big Bird with a purity that uh, that Oz said wouldn't be there if he had uh, done the character.
1: hmm Mm It was one of my favorites. The idea for The Muppet Show spawned from two failed television pilots called The Muppet's Valentine Show and The Muppet's Sex and Violence in 1973. Henson had become pigeonholed because of Sesame Street as a children's entertainer and not someone who could create something for adult audiences. He would hold meetings with NBC, ABC, and CBS, who all rejected The Muppet Show. So how did a London producer named Laurie Lou Grade save the day?
0: Well, Lou Grade was a renowned uh, British talent agent who, according to the Muppet Wikipedia uh, website, wanted his own uh, affiliate of ITV, television network, and he couldn't get it. So he created his own network called ATV and gave Sensen the funding he needed for the first season of The Muppet Show on the condition that those episodes were going to be filmed in, uh, in Britain and uh, and be syndicated um, to other uh, networks and stations all over the place.
1: I'm so glad they did that. (laughs) So Fraggle Rock, we're going to go to Fraggle Rock now. Fraggle Rock's first producer, Duncan Kenworthy, thought of the idea for an international television series with Henson's Muppets that could be filmed in one place and contain inserts that reflected each country and their cultures that purchased the program. How did this idea lead to a series of meetings for a project originally dubbed the international children's show that evolved into Fraggle Rock.
0: Well Ken Worley had been working on the Arabic version of Sesame Street and pitched his idea to a colleague named Peter Orton who told uh, Hanson of the idea and it didn't go anywhere at first until Ken Worley pitched it to someone else and Hanson found out about that so he said to Ken Worthy, why not do the program with us. So this led to three initial meetings in, ni- uh, in 1981 at the Hyde Park Hotel in London Henson's creative team. Henson would then map out the plot, worlds, and characters while seated on an airplane and have multiple meetings later on to flesh out the series and add to lists uh, and binders, uh, which uh, they had for the Fraggles, Doozers, and Gorgs that said, what do we know about them? And they would keep adding stuff that they would dream dream up. So it was an easy sell for the the program to... um, to different networks uh, and cultures around the globe because they could shoot their own uh, inserts with, uh, with uh, human characters and uh, sprocket
1: the dog. I see. When the COVID-19 pandemic started in March 2020, some of the Fraggle Rock performers got together with Apple and their Apple TV streaming service to do a series of shorts called Fraggle Rock Rock On that were filmed socially distanced from the confines of each puppeteer's houses. How did the popularity of these shorts lead Apple to announce a new full-length series called Fraggle Rock, Back to the Rock, that premiered on that platform on January 21st?
0: Now, if it were not for John Tartaglia, who performs Gobo and also produces and writes for the series, it wouldn't even exist. He's loved the Fraggles since he was a child and is a bit of a historian on it and dreamed of working on Fraggle Rock, having been mesmerized by it. When the pandemic hit, he asked colleague Haley Stanford if he could take the Fraggle Rock puppets home with him instead of leaving them in the Henson Company's office indefinitely. And out of the blue, Apple called, asking Stanford about reviving Fraggle Rock which led to a series of six digital shorts on Apple TV+, Plus that became so popular that Apple announced uh, a month later for a 13-episode series called Fraggle Rock, Back to the Rock. Now, the new series focuses on a university student nicknamed uh, Doc who lives with her dog, Sprocket. She is desperately trying to get her PhD in funding for a bacteria that will eat plastic that has been discarded okay. in the ocean. So her... When she blows that presentation, she doesn't get any funding and has to set up her own lab with an unstable internet connection and power outages that are caused by the fraggles and doozers inside the world that exists beyond her four walls. The design of Fraggle Rock back to the rock is absolutely insane and pushes the boundaries of puppetry and current technology to the very edge. The complex structures, vehicles, monorails and environment that the doozers inhabit is incredibly colorful and technologically advanced.
1: It's so great. I just want to say that it's so great. I can. I highly recommend it. And even if you weren't, like, a fan of the original, I think you would still like the reboot, don't you?
0: Oh, yes. I mean, it's everything yeah. that the fans would want it to be, and it's also made in such a way that you wouldn't have to know anything about the original 1980s uh, series and could jump right in, and that's great yep. for, for younger kids to discover.
1: Mm-hmm. I think okay. that that's probably the best thing about it, and like like we were talking earlier, I don't remember much of it from when I was younger, but I loved the the new one so much. So yeah, it, it's just like the songs and everything is just really catchy. It's really good. <laughs> so if you don't have Apple TV, you can get it for like free seven days or something. I would recommend it. So, <laughs> all Did right. You watch so all
0: Jim, 13 episodes.
1: Yeah, yeah. When Jim Henson died suddenly of pneumonia in 1990. Puppeteer Steve Whitmire took over performing Kermit the Frog from 1990 to 2016 before being fired for sounding off over his perception that Disney mishandled the Muppets and strayed too far from the late Jim Henson's vision and principles in numerous interviews. Whitmire firmly believes the Muppets won't survive much longer if Disney keeps reassigning them to new puppeteers and writers who don't have a deep connection, passion, and flair for the characters. In what way do you agree or disagree with this statement?
0: Oh, without question. It's not only Whitmire who said this about Disney. Frank Oz uh, was quoted in a recent article in The Guardian written by H- Hadley Freeman saying, there's an inability for corporate America to understand the value of something that they bought Disney never understood with us that it's not just about the puppets. It's about the performers who love each other and have worked together for many years. Now, he goes on to say, I would love to do the Muppets again, but Disney doesn't want me. They don't want me because I won't follow orders, and I won't do the kind of Muppets that they believe in, he says. The soul is simply not there. The soul is what makes things grow and be funny. That's
1: pretty controversial. I, yeah... I can see why. I remember when the switch went to Steve Whitmire from from Jim Henson. That was a big switch. You know what I mean? I don't know that I've heard the new after-2016 Kermit. I'm not sure.
0: Matt Vogel, he uh, is now doing uh, Big Bird on uh, Sesame Street as well, having taken over over from Carol Spinney, who uh, passed, passed on around that same time.
1: How do you feel about that? About, about Vogel or? Hermit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, with Steve Whitmire, um, I don't think he should should have been fired because he understood um, the Muppets and Fraggle Rock and was with uh, Henson for a, a very long long time, and he believed in certain principles that uh, Henson shared and Frank Oz uh, shared, and I, I agree with Oz and I agree with Whitmire because they understood okay. those characters. And I think the writing is also bad now because uh, Jerry Jewell, who uh, was with uh, uh, the Muppets and Henson uh, for 40 years and writing most of the material for the Muppets show as well as for two of the other movies, um, with him not there and other people writing for it, it just doesn't work for me. And I think Mm. for the fans as well.
1: I don't know. I haven't seen how they're doing. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I usually just watch older stuff anyways, but I haven't seen how they're doing, so... All right, well, I think that's it. Do you have more to add?
0: Um, only that uh, Miss Piggy was not uh, originally supposed to be a, a big character on The Muppet Show. In fact, she was a, a background character that was only supposed to appear once and uh, hit Kermit. So Frank Oz did a take that they improvised where he's was just fooling around and hit Kermit so hard with a karate chop and that okay. high sound that she has that uh, it just evolved in the... The company had to keep making new snouts and, and uh, revising the idea for her as it went along, and then she eventually became the diva that we all know her for. But she started out as mm-hmm. a very uh, ugly-looking pig.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. Wait, who? Okay, so we still have a little bit of time, but I'll just do a little bit of questioning then that wasn't written down. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite?
0: My favorite Muppet—it's got to be Oscar the Grouch Grouch, because he can get away with just about anything that's uh, that's uh, that's scripted, and he's the antithesis of Big Bird. So I always loved Mm -hmm. how he uh, he would uh, bounce things off a Big Bird and and that and what he would get. Were they great
1: together? Mm -hmm, Oh yes, mm -hmm. but
0: they were—they were both played by Harold Spinney. So he was—he was was playing both of them, and one was the antithesis of the other.
1: I love that. Also, too, okay, so you know that with those writers that if their parents were watching Sesame Street with the kids, and so sometimes the humor would be not adult in a bad way, but you know what I mean, like sarcastic where an adult would get it and is great. I like that, you know, okay. and then and all the lessons were fabulous, so that's great. And then do you have a favorite movie? Like do you like the Christmas ones and, you know, like those kind of things?
0: I don't. I don't like anything uh, past uh, what uh, Jim Henson did himself. Um, I love the the Muppet movie, the first one that uh, came out in 1979, because it's uh, kind of the ultimate uh, road trip movie, and Kermit is uh, trying to uh, not be uh, dealing with a guy that's trying to make a frog leg uh, restaurant and wants him (laughs) as the the pitchman for for his... uh, his ads he has a different idea that's about uh you know dealing with his friends and happiness and f- pursuit of dreams and the dream of uh of doc hopper is to uh you know fry up frog legs and have him as the <laughs> spokesperson for the restaurants uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. i i guess i don't i just like all muppet stuff but i can see i totally understand what you're saying about because i don't know much like you're an expert on them. So I, but that is my favorite movie, by the way. That one of all of them, that's my favorite one. I can't imagine that it's not anybody's favorite, because it's so great. I love it so much. Monty's
0: take Manhattan's a close second for me.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, I like that one. They're too. putting on
0: they're putting on a variety show. Uh, Kermit goes missing because he's been hit by a car and has amnesia, and they have to try to find him. And uh, before the the show uh, premieres, literally the the uh, the same day or the day after. That one's a lot of a lot of fun to watch.
1: It is fun. They Okay, that's the thing about the the movies and the Muppets is they are just so much fun. And for me, when I'm entertained, I want to get away from reality. And so it helps me get away from reality like that. Okay, so on the Muppet show, you know the two older gentlemen in the um theater?
0: Statler and Waldorf?
1: Yes, I love them. I love them so much. <laughs> Do you know anything yeah, actually, about
0: them any trivia? <laughs> well, they were named after um two uh, hotels in, in in New York actually. And it was um Jim Henson and a puppeteer named Richard Hunt um, that uh, made those those characters what they they were. Hunt would uh would work on a lot of uh, uh, programs. He originally uh, he originated the character Scooter which is uh the uh, nephew of the person that owns the the Muppet Theater. And, of course, Scooter is the character that more or less is is there like a hanger-on, but um, they (laughs) kind of humor him all the time because he's the the person who has the relative that owns the theater in which they perform. Uh Well, I love Waldorf and Statler. I kind of think like they're the uh, Siskel and Ebert of the Muppets.
1: Yes, I am so glad you said that. Because I think about that a lot. That is such a great analogy. I agree.
0: I don't know if it was so on purpose, good. but I mean, uh, one of them looks like uh, Siskel, and the other one kind of looks uh-huh. like, like Ebert when you think about it.
1: Yeah. Well, they are. They were such a great duo that, I mean, I don't know, they just did such a good job that having, that, having them in a Muppet form, you know, maybe was not even conscientiously thought of, but, yeah, they did it. All right. Well, do you have any more things that you want to that you want to share about the Muppets before we wrap up? Well,
0: actually, there is an amazing book that just came out. It's a two hundred and twenty-four page book on the history of uh, Fraggle Rock called Fraggle Rock: The Ultimate Vis- Visual History. You can get it from Amazon or any bookstore. But it goes through the um, concept draw- drawings, the memos that Henson and his team sent back and forth. Um, how they developed all of the the characters and, um, you know, just the history of of the show and stories that you wouldn't uh, know about or even think about, about the the show and the characters. So it's a great book that came out uh, just in time for the uh, uh, series that uh, debuted on Apple TV Plus and for the uh, 40th anniversary of of the show, the original show itself.
1: That's great. I'm glad you got that too. I really appreciate you coming on today and talking to us about the Muppets and about Fraggle Rock and and just all – I like to listen to people who have a passion, and I can tell that you really, really, you know, cared about it, at least about the Jim Henson part of the Muppets, so that's good. (laughs) All right, so I want to say thanks so much to Jeff for being our terrific guest again today. Thanks also to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for their support, as well as to all our listeners. And a big shout out to Nancy Lombardo and Angela Drake for supporting our show on their own radio shows. Nancy's the host of What's the Buzz right here on Blog Talk Radio every Monday and Friday morning at 10.30 Eastern Standard Time. And Angela hosts a variety of shows on 502 Fallen Angel Radio. That's all for now. Be safe, everyone, and have a good day. Make sure you check out Fraggle Rock. <laughs>